Got to give it up for the class of 2020, don't we? I mean, goodness, they made it through the weirdest last half of a school year in history. And um, they were born 2001, 2002, 2001. So um, we should have known that this year was going to go bad. You know why? Because as I did some, some history, some research, uh, Nickelback was really popular when you were born. It was like you were doomed from the beginning. My goodness, we knew this moment was coming. <laughs> no, jokes aside, I know, you know, we usually have our seniors come up on stage. We all have them in one spot, and we got five services, and everyone's socially distanced, so we just wanted to give you guys a moment to feel honored. And, and for those of you that weren't around, um, that you don't have a senior, we were able to gather all the campuses at the Loop, um, the seniors and their families Friday night. Pastor Greg and Timothy Atik was... was um, uh, there to encourage our families of seniors as they are uh, kind of uh, putting a, a button on this season and they're moving on to what's next. And so that was cool, just an opportunity to give them some, some a sense of accomplishment and closure for, for this as, as uh, it's obviously been a weird year. Every year, though, senior recognition happens, and it just reminds me how fast time is passing because I'm a little older now and um, I remember when I was a teenager, everything was just like, well, I'm just kind of taking it all in. But now I'm like, oh my goodness, like time is passing. And if you talk to any of these senior mamas out here, um, they were, children were born yesterday. You know what I mean? This is what it feels like. And so um, it's interesting. And, and, and what we want to talk about today a little bit about is about how to be intentional with the time that we have with our kiddos at whatever stage uh, they're in because we're all, we're all in kind of different stages. It occurred to me... Um, personally, I'm kind of wrestling with this because um, we, <clears throat> I, was in vaca- I was on vacation, Christmas break in Ohio, visiting family, and um, I was up one night late. Um, I'm kind of a night owl that way, and it all of a sudden hit me that I was about to have a 10-year-old for the first time. Um, so our oldest uh, turned 10 in, 10, in, 10 in April, and I started to think, okay, so double digits, and we're going to be talking cars in about five, six years, we're going to be talking college, and I hope he's smart enough to earn a scholarship because, you know, you boy ain't paying for college. And, uh, you know, and it was just all these things were kind of overcoming me that I wasn't super prepared for because, as far as I can tell you, my 10-year-old was born yesterday. That's kind of what it feels like. And I remember when he was born because I put so much intentionality as a dad into that moment. And I remember bringing a newborn home, and I was singing my favorite praise and worship songs over him every night. And I was reading the Jesus Storybook Bible, and I was like, you're just going to be a missionary to the nations, and you're going to rise up, you're going to be a difference maker. And he's three days old and just kind of like doing this thing, you know. He's not soaking any of it in. But somehow, all that intentionality leaks and drifts, and, you know, some, somehow, like you've got a two-year-old and a three-year-old and a four and no one tells you to kind of change up your game. There's no playbook, right? There, there's books out there, and, and I'm sure they're all perfect, and I'm sure that they can read you the news of your children, and you know every child's different, and every family's different, and, and so you, you don't know necessarily how to parent, but you do your best, and I think you're in an amazing church because there's so many, so many kids. Obviously, I mean, look around. There's so many people around you to give you encouragement in, in every different season, but I started to realize, like, I want to make sure that over these next eight years before I am sending one of my kids up here on, on stage to, you know, be celebrated for being a senior graduating, that I want to make sure that I'm intentional 
with these days. There's a, uh, there's a verse in Psalm 90, verse 12 that I'll put on the screen. Um, it says, so teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When I think about that, and I heard someone else say it recently, that the days go slow and the years go by fast. The years go by so quickly. As we learn in Scripture, Jesus cares a lot about children. So we're going to actually see in uh, one passage in uh, the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're going to be. And then we're also going to be in Mark chapter 10. And so if you've got a Bible and you want to kind of hold those spots, you can. Again, the verses will be on the screen. But I want to look at a couple different places where um, the Scriptures are pointing us to how we are supposed to lead our children In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have this moment where the Israelites have been journeying through a long history of, um, of, you know, seeing through, obviously, creation, through the flood, through through Abraham kind of being this this father, this grandfather of our faith. And he was going off to a a nation uh, that he didn't know about, a country that he didn't know about, to be um, kind of the the beginning of this nation of Israel. We knew in Exodus that Moses would come along and he would lead people out of slavery, the Israelites out of Egypt, uh, Egyptian slavery, and they would go through that, you know, and so these first three or four books of the Bible were really getting a lot of history, and in this moment in Deuteronomy, you've got Moses standing in front of the next generation of Israelites that are getting ready to take possession of the land eventually, and, and he's telling them how important it is to live by God's standards, to live as God hopes, as God dreams, as God gives guidelines, that we should be living along those as well. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, Moses is going to say this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. All the things that you've been studying, all the scripture, teach them diligently to your children. And here's going to tell you how much. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall be, they shall be frontlets between your eyes. They shall, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So Moses is going to teach the Israelites there that it's so important for us as parents to realize that that we are supposed to be continually putting Scripture in front of our children. And in different phases, that looks differently, right? And in quarantine, our family learned a little bit of what like family devotions look like. I want to let you behind the curtain a little bit. (laughs) Not the perfect family. Like we're not the family devotion family, but over quarantine, we switched up our game a little bit. And so during breakfast, right, right around that, that time, we would gather the, the, the boys up and watch a, a, a devotional on Right Now Media, which is something that's available to all your parents. If you want to learn more, we can talk after service. But uh, we would watch this family devotional. And so that's kind of one of the ways that we started doing it. I know that I've learned from, from different families and the way they kind of hold Scripture up and have these conversations, whether it be at dinner or just kind of when you're in the car or whatever, um, to have intentional moments where you're sharing Scripture with your kids, Moses in the Old Testament is obviously saying it's important, right? When you're awake, when you're eating, when you're on the way somewhere, um, I don't know what frontlets are, but like they're right in front of your eyes, you know? I I imagine them um, almost being like the lens that you're seeing through. Let let your kids see how important Scripture is. The first point I want to give you today is that no one, parents, 
No one has more potential to influence your child than you. No one has more potential to influence your child than you. When your teenagers, you know, are, are, are grown, you know, kind of past 13, 14 years old, they start to shift their influence more, more from their friends, more from culture, more from, from kind of what's going on, music and all this kind of stuff. But that first decade, you've got them. You've got them. And, and there's that moment where um, you are their primary influence. They're with you all the time. And uh, there's that moment where they think you're superheroes. And then there, there's those moments where they realize you're not perfect and you're not Superman and Superwoman. But the thing is, is for that decade, man, you are, you are their, their only influence. And then as teenagers, understand, parents of teenagers, you are their primary influence still. We want you to be their primary influencer because that's the way that God designed it. All the way uh, forward in, in Mark chapter 10, we're going to see Jesus talk about this same issue. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13 and six, through 16, you're going to see uh, Jesus address the, uh, the, the issue of children here. Uh, the parents, it says they, but the parents are bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them because Jesus is just about adult business, right? And no, Jesus is going to, in verse 14, become indignant with his disciples. And he's going to say, no, 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 let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So look around. Sometimes we get this idea that our children are... <sighs> In the way, inconvenience, too loud, too busy, too, you know, demanding of our schedules. And what Jesus is going to say, for to them, to such belongs the kingdom of God. This childlike faith that he's going to talk about. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. There's just something about that childlike faith that we learn about in Scripture that they're, they're the wonder uh, and, and the belief in God is still there. They're, they're not jaded like us adults, and, and there is something that we lose as adults. There's, there's some things that get cemented where we're not willing to trust God with just everything. And there's that, there's that beauty of what it looks like to have childlike faith that, that what Jesus is pointing to is that it's important for us adults to have childlike faith, but it's also important for us to realize there's a steady uh, line through Scripture that would say, you need to make sure that you're pointing kids towards Jesus. Or another way I would say it is, you parents need to give them a front row seat to Jesus. That needs to be what we're all about. So the second thing I want to say, point number two, is that you are designed by God to be the primary discipler for your child. Parents, you are designed by God to be the primary discipler of your child. I have a lot of parents say, hey, I got a kid. Can you fix them at youth group and send them home? I like, no, I'm not, I am not that good. I am not that good. I can't even fix my own kid. I sure can't fix yours. Sometimes we expect the church to fix our kids and, and send them home clean. And the truth is that I know I have three boys, Kipton, Caden, and Cohen, and it's my job as their dad and it's my wife's job as their mom to be the primary disciplers of those three boys. That's, my, that's my, one of my number one jobs on this planet. Before I ever even step into work, before I ever step on a, on a platform to teach God's word, what happens in my house is much more important than what happens in this room. That's what I believe. You are designed by God to be the primary discipler of your child. 
Now, as I've been thinking about how fast time is passing, I think about this illustration. There's this guy named Reggie Joyner who created the uh, curriculum that we use across all of our next gen. And, and I want to, kids, I want to maybe give you a, a chance to guess how many, how many marbles, kids, would you guess are in this jar? Anyone just want to kind of raise their hand and shout out a guess? Yeah. One trillion? Man, you're so close. I don't even know how many zeros are in a trillion, so I, I don't even know how close that is. 1,000, you are really close. 1,000 and one. 1,000 and one. $1, Bob. 1,100. 10,000. One more, Lexi. 960, you're even closer. Okay, so there's 936 marbles. There's no prize. Just bragging rights. Is that enough? You're better than your brothers. Um, there's, <laughs> that's it. Well, that is enough for that girl right there. She got super excited. 936 marbles in this jar. And one of the things that Reggie taught me when he showed me this illustration was that there's 936 weeks between the moment a child is born and the moment they graduate to influence a child before they move on. And what I have at home is a jar. And that if I remember, which I don't always... At the end of a week, I can take one of these marbles out that represents the week that just passed. And I look at it and I think, it doesn't look very big. But how did this last week go? Where did I miss it? What could have done better? What can I do this week? How can I, how can I invite God into the way I parent? And it's not just parenting, right? It's, it's work. It's, it's, it's neighborhood life. It's all of that. What, what did this last week look like? And the thing is, is that, you know, you take a couple of these out, it's still full. You know, you, you think about how quickly time passes, and you realize that your five-year-old has 676 weeks left before they graduate. It seems like a long way away, because your five-year-old is still kind of doing five-year-old things, right? You're like, well, we're not even close. Ask some of the teenage parents. They're still doing five-year-old things, too, those teenagers. 676 weeks left. Your, your 10-year-old has 416 weeks left. So this is, um, this is where I'm at right now. Like fifth grade, we're having conversations about middle school. I've been in youth ministry in some form or another since 2001. And I'm about to take my kid to camp for the next time, for the first time next summer. I don't know what to do with that, right? I, I, I just, I'm going to need some of y'all's help with that. Um, those of you who have freshmen in high school, like getting ready to start, start high school, 208 weeks, 208 weeks, and I just kind of want you to look at it, freshman in high school. It seems like a long time. Man, they're starting high school. Like, you know, you're having those conversations. You're starting to think, but oh my goodness, like it's not even a quarter full. And then those of you who have a kid who's getting ready to start their senior year of high school, does that even look like 52? It doesn't even cover the bottom of the jar. And here's what's interesting is I've been thinking about this illustration this week. I think about <clears throat> the week of a, a newborn versus the week of a senior in high school. And these are so different because this one's waking you up in the middle of the night because they need a diaper change or they need to feed or something like that. And this one's waking you up in the middle of the night because they didn't make it home for curfew on time. And, and there's just different issues there between those weeks. They're very, di they're not equally weighted. I mean, they're both a week, but they're very different. And this one has a driver's license. So this one's kind of attached to you at the hip, right? And this one is, is gone on the weekends, kind of doing their own thing. 
And when you think about what it looks like to pay attention to how fast time is passing, you tend to get more serious about the time you have left. I think about it this way. Scripture calls our, our life like a mist or a vapor. And I think about it like this. And it's just gone. It's not very long, is it, kids? It's just kind of there, and then it's not. Ephesians chapter 5 would say that we need to make good use of our time, that, that we need to live as wise, not as unwise. And here's what Ephesians 5 says, making the best use of our time because why? Because the days are evil. And as I think more and more, as I watch the news and I look at what's going on in our world and I have more conversations with people, the days seem almost a little more evil than they did yesterday. It seems to be getting worse. And I think about what it looks like to, to, to truly put Jesus before our kids here so that when they're here, that, that we're launching difference makers out into our community that would stand for something better, that would stand for something different, that would stand for a true kingdom of God life that we could bring heaven here on earth. And, and I also understand that as you're thinking, like some of you are like, okay, I've got a newborn, like I've got time. And some of you are like, okay, I've got a 10-year-old. You know, and some of you are here and you're, sweating right now, right? Because you're thinking about like, oh my goodness, I've never just seen it. The whole, the whole change here. I want, I want to talk to a couple different groups of people. Um, I want to talk to parents for just a moment. And then I want to talk to you students or kids out there. And then I want to talk to those of you who serve in our next-gen environments, preschool, kids, or student ministry. Parents, let me tell you something. I know that some of you, like I said, you're freaking out because you're like, okay, I should have been thinking about it here, but I'm here. <sighs> How can I, what, what do I do? Can I fast track it? Can I, what do I need to do? How do I catch up, right? And I don't want you to, this, I hope this is, not a, this is not a guilt trip. This is maybe a shot in the arm. This is an encouragement because I got to tell you, like I said, not the best parent in the world on the platform right now. I have been that dad over quarantine who was just like, who wants a device? Dad's got a Zoom call and I need you guys to be quiet and not walk in my office and like, daddy, we need you to fix the Nintendo Switch. I'm like, not important right now on a Zoom call. Can you please stop interrupting? Please go back on YouTube. Please hear me. The guy on the platform, take the device and get out of my hair. Not the best example of parenting. So just understand, this is, I'm not the, the zenith of all things like, let me tell you how to, I don't, you know, we're all figuring it out, right? But what I want to tell you as parents is that wherever you are on this spectrum, all right, college kids, whatever, grown, grown children, I want you to think about what it looks like to set an environment up, right? So that you're, you're setting an anchor in their hearts to the gospel and the kingdom of God so that by the time they're teenagers, they don't drift too far. Right? And, and let me just help you understand something. I have seen these parents be all-stars. I have watched some all-star parents parent through each phase, pointing their kids to Jesus. And then they get here, and kid starts acting a fool. Let me just help you understand that there's no equation. There's no, we do family Bible studies, we go to camp, we go to rush week, we'll go on mission trips. They should be little, like, perfect children, Right? No, because there's this thing called sin that kind of gets in the way of our teenagers. And we're doing our best to point them towards Jesus. And that's why I think it's important. Parents, 
for us to walk this thing together. Like I said, I have been since 2001 talking to teenagers about what they're walking through, stuff that they can't talk to their parents about because they trust volunteers, youth pastors, whatever. And for the first time, I'm going to have a teenager in the hub who's going to want to talk to one of our volunteers and not going to want to talk to dad. I'm preparing myself for that moment. I'm not excited about it. Terrified. Terrified. But I'm going to lean on you. Right? And we're going to do this thing as a village. I need men in my son's life, women in my son's life, that are going to point him towards Jesus. Right? And I'm going to be the same for you. And that's the way this thing works out. But understand, we point our kids towards Jesus in every phase, whatever that looks like. Students, I want you to think about this for a second. I want to talk to students, kids in the room. Hey, kids, listen up. I want you to give your parents a break. <laughs> your parents are giggling and they're wondering if it's okay to say amen out loud. It is, right? Give your parents a break because I want to tell you something. They love you more than you know. They're doing the best they can. And sometimes rules feel like, my dad's a Nazi. Why do I have to blah, 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 blah? You know, and the truth is they love you. They love you. You'll figure it out when you're a parent. There's just something that switches in you, right? They love you so much. There's a good chance they're going to do a family devotion this week. Just let them. Don't give them a hard time. They're trying to catch up, right? It's all good. It's all good. But I want you to think about it. Whatever stage you're in, maybe you're like, man, I'm getting ready to start fifth grade or sixth grade, or maybe I'm getting ready to be a freshman or a senior. Maybe I'm launching into college. Maybe you have a fresh 216 weeks, 208 weeks to be an influence in your college, whatever that is, or the workforce or the military, wherever you're like, where are you that you can look at this whole new like restart for college? I want you to think about every week that passes what, what each week is going to look like because it will be this time next year before you know it. I was, uh, I was with Pastor Greg Friday night at, at Senior Celebration and he was saying that when he was at Texas A&M, before he started Breakaway, he had this prayer that he wanted Texas A&M to be known as a Christian school by the time he left. And the truth is, nobody knew that Breakaway would get started through Pastor Greg, and no one would know that Timothy Atik would come over, and, and thousands would be impacted by the gospel at Texas A&M because of what one person did. And I think it's important for us to realize that one person could be the difference maker in whatever place we are. So kids, give your parents a break. Understand how much influence you can have. And also, just to let you know, those of you who are like, oh, my parents are so tough on me. We used to be cool, okay, before you came along. You stress us out. We used to be cool. Right? Our hair is thinning and turning gray because of you, right? We're losing sleep because of you, so give us a break. That sounded personal. Okay, yeah. Volunteers in Next Gen, let me tell you something. So many times I have volunteers tell me, man, I just don't feel like I'm making a big difference. Let me tell you something. The truth is, is that when you serve in preschool, when you hold a baby, you're saying to a preschool mom, hey, I know that you lost sleep last night, but I want to hold your baby so that you can have an hour to have some adult conversation for the first time this week in LBS and to come worship freely. Right? You're, you're parenting with your 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 
you're partnering with those preschool parents. When you're serving in First Kids and you're going to preteen camp and you're smelling some smells you've never smelled before and there's awkwardness at levels you didn't know existed before, what you're saying to that, that parent of, of a first kid, you're saying, I want to be someone in this kid's life. I know that right now they're not going to preach a sermon or go on some fancy mission trip, but I'm going to help you in this stage so that we can do this thing together. We can partner together. You're saying to those parents, I'm in this fight with you. When you serve in the hub in the student ministry, let me just tell you, I mean, I'm a little biased, right? I, I get to lead our student ministry. You're saying to parents, I'm going to help you in maybe the toughest season that you're ever going to be in parenting-wise. Your, parent, your kid has all the attitude and, and what in the world. And I used to have this sweet kid that wanted to snuggle, and now they just want it like, what in the world? And you're saying to a kid in this very difficult season of teenage parenting, I want to walk with you so that you can have another adult in their life that's trustworthy, that's pointing them to the gospel, so that we're setting this environment so that we can point our kids to Jesus all the way through. So let me just tell you, I don't know what stage of parenting you're in. Maybe you're not a parent. Maybe you don't have biological children, but you're serving in our next-gen environments. Maybe you're a grandparent. Whatever it is, you see yourself and look at these marbles and think how you can influence the next generation. It matters so greatly. And like I said, I've got three boys, and I'm I'm leaning on you guys as well. Sometimes you need to knock them upside their head. Go for it. You got my permission. And you help me with mine. I help you with yours. And we're pointing them towards Jesus. The third thing that I want to share with you, the last point, is that when the church and family work together, the child wins. When the church and family work together, the child wins. I brought a picture of a a guy who's... um, Showed up in my life in the middle of high school. His name's Danny Anderson. And uh, he was my youth pastor, and he showed up right at the right season for me. Now, my parents are Christians, and they discipled me, and I, I had a grandparent who was a pastor, and, and so I grew up with a legacy of faith in my family. But, but there was something special about a guy that showed up. By the way, I realized last night no one knows which one is me because neither one looks like me because I've lived some life since then, you guys. So I'm on the left with the bandana and the hemp necklace. Because I used to be cool. That's exactly right. And that guy took me to coffee, and he taught me the Bible in a way that I just had no clue. Like, he, he handed off a legacy of passion for Scripture to me that I had never caught before. There's something about parenting. I know it's difficult, right? You teach them, and you teach them, and you teach them, and you teach them, and then some guy walks in their life and says it, and they're like, Dad, Dad, you'll never believe what I just learned. And they're like, we've been saying this literally for 18 years, and you just got welcome to parenting. And that's why we do this thing together. And that's why your next-gen team, between Frazee and Tyler and I, we dream. We wake up thinking about this stuff. We wake up wanting. We want to we wanna create a parent resource center so that parents can get together and have dialogue after service, and they can have difficult conversations about how to walk through the phases that they're in. That's, that's dreams that we have. But we understand, parents, you're the primary disciples. You're designed by God to be the primary disciples for your children. We want to just give you a shot in the arm because whatever phase you're in, understand this. They're a five-year-old, and you'll never know they're a five, them as a five-year-old ever again. They'll be six, and it'll just be a different phase. There'll be a 13-year-old, and you'll never know them as a 13-year-old again. And you'll never want to know them as a 13-year-old again. It's awful. Some of y'all were like, he's not joking right now. (laughs) 
you have these different phases and we want to be able to help you, right? But we want you to be encouraged to know that everything that you're doing as a parent to put your kids in front of Jesus is leaving a legacy. And years from now, there's going to be kids walking across this stage and we're going to honor them and you're going to remember, I started counting marbles. I started thinking about what it looked like to be intentional about our time with our kids. We don't want you to miss the phase that you're in. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for all the blessings in life. And children are one of those major blessings. And we want to be stewards of that gift. We want to point our kids towards you, and we need health. So God, in all the ways that we need encouragement, in all the ways that we need some imagination for what it looks like to disciple our children, Lord, would you help us with that? Would your spirit guide us? In those moments where our kids are asking questions about God and, and what's going on in this world, would you give us the boldness to speak up to our kids and tell them the truth about the gospel, the truth about the evil in this world? Would you help us not to shy away from that? Would you help us to learn for ourselves so that we don't have an empty well to pour from? God, we're asking for your help. And Lord, all these children in this room that I know we're stressing some of us mamas and dads out, where they're a blessing, we're thankful that they're here, we're thankful that their parents saw fit to put them right here in this moment. We're asking you to give us a glimpse of what it looks like to shepherd them well, to give them a front row seat to Jesus.